Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Church in a theatre. So, one of the, thanks, mate. One of the really exciting things that we do a couple of times a year is we do a, uh, a panel. So you get to hear from, um, from um, all sorts of people all the time, but what we're always trying to do is work out if what works in theory actually works in practice. And I, the truth is I'm not the best person to tell you that because um, I didn't have a proper job since 2003. I've been working, working with the church. It's not a job, it's a vocation and it's a calling. But we have a, a panel this, uh, this morning of four amazing people uh, who, can work, who, who can help us and explain to us how what we talk about in theory actually works in practice. And I couldn't be more thrilled by the people we have on the panel this morning. So uh, I'm just going to um, call them up, give them a clap as they come up, and we will hear from them. So we've got uh, Rachel Bauer. We've got Peter Wilson. We've got Maureen Nolan. And we've got Chris Berry. Chris is just, you know, making, he's, he's eking out the applause for all he can get for it. No, it's, it's stopped, mate. It's stopped. There we go. There we go. So um, why don't we, let me just grab the other microphone really quickly. I'm so sorry. Thanks, Sammy. Um, so why don't we just uh, start, um, why don't we start Maureen with you? And why don't you just tell us um, a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, how you became a Christian? My name is Maureen Nolan, I'm Sue Leach's mother. And but a person in your own right. A person in my own right, but everybody knows me here as Sue Leach's mother. Oh. <laughs> um, I had a Christian mother and um, from a little girl of four I was always taught to say my prayers and then I went to Sunday school and when I was about 10, 11 I went to a funny little church and I had the most wonderful teacher, and he taught me all about um, Christ dying for my sins and accepting Christ. And at the end of the talk, he asked who would like to do that, and I, I, I did that, and I accepted Christ at that age. And um, slowly, you know, my Christian faith grew, and I ended up becoming a Sunday school teacher, and I've always tried to um, install Christian values in the family and have really pushed my children into accepting Christ as their saviour. <laughs> Sue, now we know where, where she gets it from. <laughs> and, um, oh, about four or five years ago, I kept getting the strong feeling that God wanted me to be baptised, a full, full immersion baptised, and so I was baptised here. Wonderful. Peter. Um, morning, everyone. Uh, I, was, I was brought up in a Christian home. My father was um, in medicine out in South Korea after the Korean War. I'm that old. Um, and uh, he was a missionary out there. And uh, so I was brought up in, a, in a, an amazing Christian home. Problem was, we didn't have a lot of fellowship, other, other kids around us and stuff. So I drifted away in my teenage years 
And to encourage you parents there, it's still fine, it's okay. Uh, we come back. Um, so at about 30, um, having been in the Middle East actually for some time, setting up Saatchi and Saatchi out there, um, I came back and really understood what it meant to the power of the Holy Spirit and grace, amazing grace. So I didn't have to be this thing I couldn't possibly be. Uh, as a child, I could just receive God's grace. So that's when I really uh, embraced what God had for me uh, then. And that was through HDB. Brilliant. Rach. Uh, so I was also brought up in a Christian home, fairly traditional conservative Methodist upbringing uh, on a farm in Devon. Um, and I became a Christian through a Canadian group of kind of missionary evangelists who came to our village and did the prayer at sort of an early age. I've always been quite passionate, quite enthusiastic individual and uh, came home and whilst crying, held my youngest sister up against the wall, screaming at her and told her that if she too didn't become a Christian, she was going to die. And I That's thought yeah. that she should. So yeah. that was my first sort of foray into uh, evangelism. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> Makes mine sound a whole lot better, yeah. And then um, I think my real sort of... Moving on from a simple faith, I think it really happens at university. I kind of went from a farm, very small, sort of very sheltered upbringing to going to university and studying psychology, sociology and anthropology, which I found a really hard thing to get my head around with lots of the stuff I was brought up with. So I think that's probably where I moved on a bit. Chris. Hey, um, so I too was brought up in a Christian home, um, but it is obviously, as a lot of you probably know, it's just something you kind of go along with. If you've only ever known that, you don't always make the choice necessarily. So um, yeah, through um, God basically telling me at um, one Soul Survivor meeting once I'd did, did a gap year thing. Um, well, it took me two years to actually do it. I, I heard it from God, you need to do this. And But I thought I really like my car and I quite enjoy getting money from my job, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but then I crashed my car, or God did, whatever. And, um, no, you crashed your car. No, Let's no, God did. That's what that. I told the insurance, and they were, really? yeah. But God's an act of God, so uh, they, don't, yeah. they don't cover it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so then I went, and actually that's where I really. Um, I learned that this stuff actually can apply to me and I can actually um, live out, you know, some of this stuff in the Bible. And, um, yeah, it just became a lot more real then. And, um, yeah, ever since. It's and so, Chris, what do you do? And we're, we're here from everybody else. But what, 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 what is your job? Uh, so I'm a joiner, cabinet maker, chippy, um, whatever you want to call it. So I just make uh, furniture, um, kitchens and wardrobes and... Um, Lots of things. But, so. this, you, but you make hard, you, like you, you, you don't work for like B and Q, do you? And no, try and avoid it. Nothing yeah. wrong with B and Q. But, <laughs> but you work for like a high end. We try our best to be yeah. high end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So we uh, yeah do a lot of work on like you know um, places in St George's Hill and um, sort of big expensive houses. But to be honest, it's not hard in this area. Um, that's partly why I stayed here because I grew up in Suffolk. And I realised, hang on a minute, there's not really much going on in Suffolk for my line of work. So, but here, it's, uh, it's quite good. So we've always got lots of work on. And you know, I'm always here if you want anything doing. So. There we go, there we go. You, he did some work for us, actually. It was excellent. We're very pleased with it. Thanks, we obviously Bill. put it back together since you... <laughs> but but it, was very, it was very good. It looked very good. Still need to fit knobs to that, actually. No, no, it's very good. Okay. It's very good. <laughs> I think we decided not to stick the knobs on in the end. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, there we go, there we go. It opens by itself. It's... Anyway, there we go. That's a little. <laughs> there we go. A very, very good TV cabinet mate, you, you made for us. Um, and so, Rachel, um, you work in London, don't you? Yep. Why don't you? Um... Yep. Yes. 
Um, so I work for, um, I suppose, what's traditionally known as a PR agency. Um, it's a fairly big agency. There's about 600 of us. Um, just for those, like, um, I've got mean? lots of friends who work in PR, but I have no idea what that means. I just smile. I don't think we do either, no. no. Uh, so um, uh, that's a good question. So I, um, the agency does all sorts of things, uh, digital film, you know, promotional films, produces content, but then also there are different um, departments that look after different sort of brands or reputations, you know, lots of big brands who work for you know, Disney, Microsoft, UPS, Xbox, all sorts of things. And the area that I help to run is a corporate team, which is all about sort of proactively managing corporate reputation. So coming up with campaigns that make either particular individuals, so consumers or people in government think or feel something about a particular business, or reactively dealing with lots of issues and crises sort of reactively. And I help run the team of about, um, about 80 or so people there. Okay, great. And thanks. And um, Pete, you work in London as well, don't you? I do. Tell yes. us what you do. Uh, so I work this in is the last time we're going to go down the line with okay. a microphone. Um, yeah, I work in Westminster. I work for um, the Office of Security and Counterterrorism, lucky me. Um, which is based in the Home Office, and uh, I run a unit that delivers communications um, to try and stop people being drawn into terrorism, counter-narrative products, a lot of digital, um, through to modern slavery, cyber, um, child abuse stuff, all of that. We, we're, we're delivering communications where it really matters and driving people and measuring the impact of how that, how that changes. If you want to find out more, ask me afterwards. <laughs> I haven't worked for... I haven't worked since I had children. Prior to that, I worked in a mining house as a, in the PR department. But from the time I had our son, I've been a stay-at-home mother. I've been very lucky. And spent um, most of my time bringing up the children. Um, I worked in quite a lot of different charities. I worked in the townships in South Africa, taking um, raising money for food um, for the very needy old black people. I did that until we could no longer go into the townships. It became too dangerous. I also worked for a boys' orphanage. They, um, I discovered one day, uh, we went there in midwinter, and it was bitterly cold. And these little boys were on um, concrete floors with just one blanket on their bed. So um, I organised a group and we raised money to buy duvets and bedding for them. And then we discovered that a lot of these little boys had never, ever had a Christmas dinner. So until I came to England every year, I raised, um, I got people donated and the most amazing people donated food and we gave the entire home of 130 little boys a Christmas dinner each year. And... I think that's, and then we came to England and I've done a little bit of charity work here. So um, just uh, feel free to sort of chip in when you like, but I, really that touches on vocation, doesn't it? That's nothing to do with the job. That's just God touched your heart with something particular, didn't he? And yes. you just kind of went for it. Is there anybody else on the panel? Obviously, I know you've got kind of career jobs, but how does vocation um, fit into that, a sense of calling fit into that? I always felt I was quite blessed and felt God put me there to help others. And um, I still, you know, I still today, if I can help others, if I'm, I've got neighbours in problems, you know, I'll go. Sometimes I'm a bit nervous because English people are much more in the 
looking. And, and you've got to be careful. We in South Africa, people don't seem to worry about it. You just barge in and help. <laughs> and, and, Pete, um, Pete, what about you? And Rachel and um, Chris, do feel free to chip in. What, how is vocation? Um, well, I'll be honest. I think my, my career's been incredibly accidental, um, but in his hands, hopefully. Um, as, as, as Pete was on the video earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's his plan that we walk out. I think I'm always encouraged by the verse of trust um, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. The more I do that, the more um, amazing things seem to happen. And yet we struggle with this kind of hanging on to our own understanding of stuff, don't we? Um, and actually, you know, the two are mutually exclusive. We have to let go of our own understanding to let him lead us and, lead us and guide us. Um, I've been, you know, from, from an advertising agency start in life, ending up doing what I'm doing now is... Is, is probably unheard of and would never be planned uh, in, any, in any career lesson. So um, I just think, think trusting in him. But I do see it as a, as a job uh, primarily, um, but, but I'm playing out what I hope is, is his will in that job. I think for me, I was thinking about it because you sent the questions in advance. I think I had to think, is it a vocational job? And I think for me, it's definitely more than a job. I don't necessarily think it's something I was almost like called in to do, but I think that... Um, my skill set and my personality really fits with what I do. Um, and I think God has part of sort of engineered that. Uh, Tim, my husband, was reminding me when I was talking about it that um, uh, even at school, uh, my English teacher, when I was choosing my university course, said, oh, you should really think about something like PR. It'd really fit with you. And then different schemes sort of came up. So I think it's almost... It's maybe I haven't seen it as a vocation, but a bit like you were saying, maybe God has had that sort of vocation for me just because it fits well with who I, who I am, I think. No, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, for me, it's definitely vocation. It's all I've ever really been good at. So it's sort of like it's. Um, well, no, it's, <laughs> it's no, it's just something that um, I've. Uh, it's funny actually because what I my dad always used to love the idea of being a carpenter and doing some practical be as a salesman and um, for a tiling company. I think he always used to want to instill this stuff in me so that I'd end up doing it instead. And I always resisted that up to a very late point. And, um, uh, and actually, all along that, I think, you know, I've always been meant to do this. And I've always been very good with my hands and figuring out how things work and let go. Um, so and that's, um, yeah, I ended up joining this um, camp carpenter, carpenter's course like quite late on and caught up very quickly. And, um, and ever since, it's just been something I really, I just do. And the whole creating things and, um, yeah. Uh, the, the the struggle it, it, it's um it's just always sort of in in the struggle with um work and with stuff going on that's often when i see god and and find jesus a lot more it's and you kind of it's that balance between okay i want to be comfortable and i want things to be nice but actually sometimes it's it's good to push the boat out a little bit and and get you know dip your toes in the water and actually that's where you really find God in those moments I do anyway because when I first started my job here I really struggled with it but actually I was so close to God in that time um, so it's just constantly finding that balance really um, for me anyway just just coming in on that I, I really relate to that I think this is a great um, illustration Mike Pilavach uses of um, in his book that we were looking at earlier this this year where the little girl comes running home saying daddy daddy I really want to make a fire and Daddy says, yeah, okay, great, you know, let's make a fire. And we get in the garden and we stop making a fire. And we relate to this with my 10-year-old daughter. And, um, and, and, and yet she's wanting to make the fire. The point is she's wanting to make the fire just as we want to do what we're doing. 
and where God's put us. But actually, he's behind us blowing on the embers as, as she is making the illustration is she's kind of blowing those raspberries and not glowing the embers and making the things come to light. But she thinks she's created this incredible fire that just bursts into flames. Um, and so the, the joy that she has is, is ecstatic. Um, but actually, it's, it's the father behind blowing and, and creating the fire. And I think that's, that, to me, is every day at work. If, if I didn't, I'm absolutely useless without, without him. You know, if I, if I sit in that chair and I'm meeting with, um, you know, senior, senior uh, ministers and, and, and senior officials uh, making some pretty significant decisions on a day-to-day hour-by-hour basis, you know, if I didn't have the Lord in that moment saying, you do this, do that, and asking him just to come into the room in, in interesting meetings makes a massive difference. First of all, have any of you ever struggled with just um, feeling really ambitious and wondering whether that's okay? Um, or, um, uh, yeah, how do you see it? How does it work for, for, you, for you guys just thinking about that? Rachel, just to... Um, so I think um, I have struggled definitely with ambition. I think um, I was thinking about um, Pete's talk at the beginning of the series when he talked about ambition being about a kind of a desire and determination. And I thought, actually, I think I've realised I'm actually just a naturally ambitious person <laughs> about everything. It could be... Uh, I'm, I'm, I have as much desire to do really well at my job as I have to be at home and do being a mum really well um, we were going through the questions before, and my girl said to me, you're supposed to also remember daddy. So I'm also equally as ambitious about being a good wife, uh, <laughs> just for the record, as well. Um, so I, th- I think my, um, my struggle is possibly about... I don't think I've ever struggled with, is it okay to be ambitious? I think it's okay to be ambitious. I think my challenge is, where am I pointing my ambition? And um, as, a, as, a, as a mum, and as somebody who wants to be a really present mum, but as... Um, somebody who works in town and has a fairly challenging job and clients who are always on it, I think for me, sometimes the challenge comes with, with balance. And I think my faith is the, is the element that somehow lets me see the wood for the trees in the middle of that. And I think it's what makes me have perspective on my ambition and sometimes sorts. it's the Lord that sort of sets me straight sometimes, I think. I think God gave all of, uh, when he created us, he gave all of us ambition in us. But I think ambition's fine as long as it doesn't take over and um, we need to exalt God with our ambition. And um, years ago, um, when ambition clashes with what you're doing, um, we got involved in civic life, and also my husband got involved with some very high... In business, we became involved with very high flyers. And after a couple of years being in that sort of life, it suddenly hit me that you're changing. You want to be, you want to be right up there at the top with everybody else. And I, and I think that was wrong, and it took me quite a a year or two before I realized that's not what God wanted for us. So um, we pulled out of civic life. And it took me a few more years to not be intimidated by these so-called half-flies and people at the top of their line. And, but I think that comes with age. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was hoping to get away with that question. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think ambition is, as long as it's, it's tuned in to, to, to him and, and what, what Jesus wants for your life, I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's what he wants us to do. He, he said, you know, don't have a spirit of timidity. Um, you know, be courageous, be bold, stand up. Um, get on with what he's given you to do, even even if that moment is just today and now, even if you're really struggling. I've had this many times where I've thought, I really don't want to do this. I'm really hating this at the moment, this particular job at this time, um, for instance. And and yet he's just and I've just asked for encouragement. You know, Lord, if this is from you, just give me some encouragement. And and straight away, almost literally, there'll be there'll be a wave of encouragement or something will happen or something will move and open up some big blocks uh, through the bureaucracy or through the, through the systems that allow uh, delivery of real change. And that's, that's profoundly encouraging. And, and, and that, that, to me, is more the ambition. It's more the ambition of what you're doing to deliver something significant uh, rather than where it used to be. And I totally agree with you, Maureen, where it used to be for me, which was, I've got to get to the top. And what's the next level up? And what's the next level up? Um, and certainly in government, I've just given up doing that now. <laughs> So, so um, I think uh, Rachel talk, touched on a little bit about stress, and um, everyone here would have experienced stress either at work or some sort of context, some sort of situation. Uh, how do, Chris, when you're at work and you've got a, a deadline and you're making some high-end cabinet um, for, you know, a pastor of a, a church and <laughs> they want knobs on their thing, and then, how do you... Uh, I haven't started the wardrobe yet, sorry, so, but... Um, <laughs> How do you how do you deal with with stress when it comes uh, in, in work? Not very well, to be honest. I'm. Uh, it's funny. I used to be known as really chilled out, Chris, sort of thing. Um, I think people used to think I was on weed most of the time, but I was just really <laughs> chilled out. Um, I wasn't. Uh, but um, I. It's funny how yeah I have I've definitely becoming. Uh, it just gets to me much more. So I do have to make sure I step back and. And, you know, God is a massive part of it. It's like, you know, God teach me how to put this stuff in the perspective. This is only something for someone's house, and it's not the end of the world. It's not worth me ruining my evenings for when I get back from work. It's like learning to put it down at the end of the day and, and things like that. Um, I mean, I've recently, I've been with my boss for uh, 10 years in that company. I'm a sort of a partner there now and stuff. So that brings a lot of stress as well because it's that pressure of I've, I've got to do well, and this this then affects him, and it affects the guys I work with as well and what we're bringing in. So, um, yeah, not, not awfully well, if I'm honest, <laughs> but uh, I try, um, yeah. I, I would say on that one, uh, ask, ask my kids or ask, ask Sally, my wife, who will probably say, he doesn't cope with it at all well. Um, there's, there's definitely times if, if I'm really stressed, I'll, I'll, I'll try and run it off or um, go for some kind of physical exercise. I find that's really... Um, useful way of just just literally letting off the steam, but also a great time to worship. Um, and when I look to Him, you know, the, the joy of the Lord is, is is really is the strength that comes, and that makes a massive difference. Um, but a lot of the time I don't, and therefore I just wallow in that stress and get very get very frustrated. But I get I get I get short tempered. I get I take it out on people around me. I'm not I'm not I'm not great to be honest with stress. So the truth is I'd probably go home and open a bottle of wine. Um, I say, Tim, are you allowed to say that when you're fairly new at a church or will they have lots of opinions about you? Um, but um, I think the Lord is very gracious in that I find that it's the... Sm I'm a very practical person, and for me, it's almost like the small interaction. So if I'm very stressed, I'll suddenly find that as I'm doing my sort of Bible in the year app on the commute, suddenly something will 
sort of give me actually real breakthrough practically. I'm a, I'm a big believer, I think, in praying about really practical situations with clients and things like that. So if I'm really stressed, it might be about meeting, uh, making money. You know, I'm responsible for whether people get promoted and pay rises when things are not working very well. It's a big team and that can feel quite stressful when the money is not coming in. But I'll sometimes pray for kind of breakthrough in particular clients. It will often be... Um, like I say, a practical thing, like reading a Bible verse or somebody will text me or I feel like the Lord will sort of breaks into my life very practically um, to help me deal with some of the stressful situations. And then I think I think I mentioned it before, but perspective. I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm in an industry and I that is very concerned about image and identity. And I know that that has an effect sometimes on the way that I process things. I know that sometimes I can go... <gasps> actually, Lord, just gives me a wake-up call. That actually, the reason you're really stressed about this is because you're worried about looking really stupid in front of that really important person. Or you're, you're worried that when you go to that meeting, you're going to make a fool of yourself. And so you're actually taking it out. In a, and I know that that's because I've, I'm sort of like, I need a bit more perspective. I need to sort of be brought back, I think. Maureen, how, um, I'd love to hear from you on that. And also, how, how would, what advice would you give to people who sometimes lose that sense of perspective, you know, where sometimes the stress can get so sort of overwhelming that we we just lose sight of actually what's important and and actually get a proper sense of actually this is just whatever it is. I feel sometimes um, people take on too much. A long time ago, I went to a Christian lecture, and the lecture was, it's not wrong to say no. And I found if you get a person who does a lot people tend to load them more and more and more. And they think that they've got to do this. And it's wrong. And I think you've got to pace yourself. And I was listening to Joyce Mayer the other day, and she was saying, we all need to have time every day to sit down and have a quiet time, whether it's to watch a bit of TV or to read a book, and not be in perpetual motion. And I think a lot of us are too scared to say no when we get asked to do something for a charity or for school or for church. And I think sometimes our families can suffer because we've got too involved. And one thing is to pray and ask God to stretch out your day sometimes when you've got too much on. But I find being older, I don't get stressed like I did when I was younger. <laughs> so it gets... It gets gets easier again. Excellent. That's good to know. <laughs> good. I thought it was just a sliding scale. Yeah. <laughs> this this um, saying no to things, um, it, it sounds great in theory, like just saying no, but I think about uh, my own week and um, I think about some of the decisions I have to make. And, and it is really hard to say no. Now, some of it may be because I want people to like me. Some of it be because it's my job. Some of it is just working out actually what my capacity is uh, like. And I think you know, they talk about our emotional capacity, our mental capacity, our physical capacity. Um, how do you, um, you guys do that in terms of working out when to say no? Because I know we, we all know that there are times when we should say no. But it's very hard when you're faced with a situation to actually say to someone or your boss or whoever it is or a client, sorry, no, we can't do it. And actually, in, in, in life at home, you know, how do you work out where, you know, so where in the different tanks, you know, how you're doing and when is an appropriate time to say no? 
I, th I think it is it is really hard, isn't it? I, again, I have to, I have to um, I have to do more of saying no. I think I'm, I'm also a, um, a, a, a trustee on the um, Medair. For those of you who know Medair on the board, which takes up a bit of time, um, and that's that's voluntary, but it's such important work. And I, I, I struggle between that and the priorities of exactly as you described it, church, family, and, and work's been intense, as you can imagine, recently. So um, I just always ask, ask, ask the Lord for, for guidance and, and, and what, what, what do I say yes, what do I say no to? And just being really honest uh, with people and, and I guess myself about that and family. Um, but it's a constant dialogue. As Sally would tell you, I think there's a few times when I might sneak up and play bass without perhaps fully informing her um, and things like that because I really enjoy it. Um, so, that, yeah, it, I think it's, it, is, it is hard, but it's absolutely about having that dialogue, I think, with the Lord and just seeing what's, what's, what's in and what's out. Yeah. And do, you, do, um, do either of you guys um, think there are just seasons in life where we just have to say yes a lot more than possibly we have capacity to? And how, how do you manage that when it's just, you know, when your client says at five o'clock, I need this for tomorrow, and you spend, that's not what you've been spending your time, or they change, that they see what you've done, and they're like, yeah, great, but we want this. And there'll be times when you just can't, this isn't, it's not possible to say no. How do you cope in those seasons? And also, it, how, do you how do you, in those moments, how do you remind yourself that this isn't forever? I don't think I'm very good at not reminding myself that it's not forever. But I think I have just... I think it's probably having children and realising that um, I have to do something. I have, I've got different priorities. So actually, with, with clients, probably similarly... Um, if, so my weekends are affected by... If I open up the Sunday Times and a client's there and it's all over the place, I know why my phone's um, ringing and um, it isn't it isn't relaxing so I have to respond at that point you know I always I think one of the downsides of my job where everything is like a, you know a story appears someone's got to go on the tv someone's got to be interviewed at a certain point it means that the downside is that I'm always I feel like I do that all, a lot in my personal life as well I'm like there's no time my poor husband and children like, it's gonna be done now I think that um what I've I think we've become slightly better at just I always thought that if there was a gap in a calendar then it could be filled. So if someone says, "Do you want? can we do dinner? Then I will just give every gap. And then I've suddenly realised I haven't made space for the unexpected. And my entire job is... When I go into work in the morning, I have no idea sometimes how it's going to totally go belly up. Um, and yet all the things on the to-do list when I went in are still, <laughs> still there. So I think I've become just slightly better, just again practically, of just making sure that... So last weekend was a really busy weekend... This one, we haven't fitted as much in so that we can breathe a bit more. Is that too, as just practical, I think? I always try and squeeze far too much into a day. And um, um, one side of it is if you um, set unrealistic expectations, that's what we, Josh, the guy at work says actually, then he'll just get loads done. But the trouble is, in my mind, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So if I don't actually do that, I get quite frustrated. And Becky, you know, always. Um, and was reminded, I just, try, you know, I, I tidy the house and I'll, I'll get distracted, I'll pick something up and then start organising that. And before you know it, I'm five things down the line, I've actually forgotten what I was doing in the first place. So sometimes you do have to just um, just say, right, three things, that's what I want to get done today. And even though I know I probably could do a bit more, it's just about self-discipline, really, and knowing how far you can stretch. But saying that, um, I find your capacity is always more than you actually think it is. 
So, you know, there are seasons whereby it will be, it's just going to be more stressful and that's just the way it is and you've got to get over it and don't fold in on yourself. Um, obviously, yeah, lean on God, but also know your capacity is more than you maybe think it is. And, um, yeah, uh, and you, you'll be absolutely fine. But um, it, is, it is seasons, so, uh, yeah. And Maureen, for you, obviously, you've been a mum, you've been a, you're a grandmother now. Yeah. Um, when you're a mum and you feel like you're in the trenches and you know you've got all these things you want to do and be involved in and you've got small children, how did you? And I'm knowing you a little bit, you know, you're very you're a real activist. You want to do stuff. You want to make a difference. How did you balance all of that as a as a mum and obviously as a grandmother as well? It wasn't that easy when I was a mother, you know, um, because your own ambitions, you wanting to do things. But I think I had a very strong vocation that I was meant, to, you know, for the uh, to bring up the children, and um, being with grandchildren, I've absolutely adored it. I often used to go when Susan ha had um, Catherine to start with. I'd phone her and say um, I had more time then, and I'd say I think you and Chris need an evening on your own because I know what it was like when we had little ones. And I'd go up to London and steal Catherine for two days. Yeah. And um, that built up a relationship with Catherine and I. And um, I became very close to her. And as a little girl, shame I'm deviating now, at, we were on holiday in France with her. And I was walking around a cemetery with her. And she, she turned to her sister and she said, this is heaven. All these tombstones she thought was heaven. And I said, no, this is not heaven. Um, Granny is getting old and she doesn't want to go to, this is when I die, this is where they'll put me in, but I don't want to go to this heaven. So next morning when I was doing my Bible reading, she came into my room, she must have been about five or six, and she said, Granny, tell me a bit about your heaven. So I told her a bit, and then she said, um, how do you know you're going to go there? So I said, well, because I've accepted Christ as my saviour. So she said to me, could she accept Christ as her saviour to go to heaven as well? So I said, yes, well, if you, uh, let's kneel down at the side of the bed. And she said the little prayer. And she accepted Christ as her saviour. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things for a granny to have with a child and... You know, it's it's just, I think it's very important when they're growing up that you build strong relations with them. You know, my ambition has been for all my families to become Christian. And, sorry, I've deviated. No, 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 sorry. I think, did you have something to add to that? No, Pete, that's like the, per that's like the dream answer, isn't it? That's like, no one's going to be able to. How can I follow that? Obviously, Maureen talked a little bit about um, sharing her faith, obviously with her grandchildren. But um, at, at work, for, for, for you three guys, it'd be a bit alarming if people didn't know that I was a Christian, given what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Some have Christian wondered. Um, Goodness yeah. me. Um, but, uh, but do people at work know you're Christians? And, and um, if they don't... Um, uh, how do you feel about that in terms of you've just made a decision that you're going to let it sort of work itself out? You didn't arrive the first day and sort of say, hi, uh, I'm Rachel, I'm a Christian. Um, <laughs> so how do you share your faith uh, in a sensitive way uh, at work 
or do you, or do you, you know, how, how does that work for you guys? Um, I do share my faith, but I think I do, I'm actually not that sensitive about it. Um, but well, given the story about your sister, that's like... <laughs> I don't hold anybody up against the wall. I think I'd get an HR violation for that. I'm not... Um, I don't mean in a... I am sensitive. What I mean is I have quite a strong sense of humour. In, actually, in preparation for this talk, I said to my boss, as like I'm talking on Sunday about being a Christian in faith, and I was like, how does it work? What do you think it works like? Because I've worked with him for like 10 years. I was like, tell me about... Do you think it makes any difference being a Christian, like working with me, other than you're still annoying either way? But um, he said it would make a difference if I didn't have a sense of humour. So a, a couple of examples would be, um, because it's such a kind of young, it's a very trendy industry, I always think that if I can't be almost make a bit light about it, then I'm actually going to end up getting in tricky waters with things. So um, I once sat next to a guy who just blasphemed the whole time. It was Jesus Christ this and God this all the time. Um, I haven't really got a particular problem with swearing, but it really grated in my spirit. And so when he kept on it, he, one day he was sitting there and he went, Jesus Christ. I was like, he said, Jesus Christ. And I went, just died for us. And he would be like, oh, God. And I said, just, isn't it amazing how much he loves us? And he'd go, God, I'd like, he's always with us. He's always ready. Shall we have a pray? And I, I, I mean, I think it's maybe a bit, I hope it's not too trite, but it's, I sort of tried. What was his response? He stopped, blasting him after and he would just go like that a bit to me. But yeah. I've, Did you know him? Yeah, he's my boss. He was my oh, boss. boss. Yeah, yeah. So I sat next with. Did you yeah. fire him or, or? No, no, no. He, as in, I worked for him, I suppose. Yeah. Or an example would be the other day I was um, having an argument with my now new boss. I don't always argue with my bosses, um, but we're having oh, a particular. So, like, are you like a real handful <laughs> at work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, at the end of it, when we'd had this sort of debate, I said to him, I said, "You really, you really should say thank you to Jesus," and he said, "What?" And I said, "Well, you really should say thank you because." Honestly, I said, you've made me so cross. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would be so furious with you and I'd be so much harder to manage. If So we really should say thank you to Jesus, really. So I don't think I do it in an evangelistic... I just think I just do it in an off-the-cuff off the way because I think otherwise someone's going to take... That would have just totally floored me. I wouldn't have known what... What did he say? Well, he's always very... He's very sarcastic back all the time, so... I, yeah, I, I, th I suppose that's with that's with probably with peers though. But when you run a team, I think you do have to be a bit careful about how you share your face sometimes because if you have authority over somebody, you don't say thank Jesus because I'm, do I'm brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't do that Jesus stuff. For this great idea. And what no, a great but I think I on a on a leading team perspective, it's the little things like I'll leave cards for people or drop, like notes. People when you when you're more senior to them, you can't like that so you have to i think you have to i don't know that's tailor the it up against the wall routine is it? yeah yeah that's uh no that's just be be nice to them and ask them questions i think yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear say that to your boss um what was the question exactly <laughs> yeah so um I carpenter. Do you say, oh, you know, uh, uh, say again? You're, you're obviously a car like joiner and a carpenter. Do you say, oh, well, actually, I'm, you know, well, exactly. Drop my boss. <laughs> um, no, yeah, Jesus is a carpenter, so I don't really have to. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, but um, I, I, I don't all that much. Um, it's quite interesting. My boss's uh, parents um, uh, are Christians, so he's got a definite idea of how it all works, and they were Christians all when he was brought up as well. Um, so. It almost makes it more tricky because I guess he maybe thinks he knows how it works and has drawn a line under it and is quite happy 
that's not for me. Um, so we don't venture into that many conversations about it. But, um, you know, I, for me, it's just about being honest um, when you're chatting about what you're up to at the weekend, I'm going to church, uh, and see where they take the conversation. Don't always, I'm uh, not always trying to force it. Um, I try not to swear as much. Um, doesn't usually work, but... Um, uh, uh, yeah, and also D Dave Slynn actually, um, various regions, but he knows my boss relatively well through popping in over the years and picking up free wood. Um, uh, he obviously <laughs> he is. Been free. A we had to pay for it. Well, this, he he bought it in bulk, so oh, yeah. I gave him some freebies oh, as well. So, um, but uh, they do very good offcuts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do see me actually if you want some. We've got absolutely loads, so it can be free. Um, but he's been a really interesting subject of conversation. So, oh, my mate Dave, you know Dave, don't you? He's moon to Ibiza. And they're like, what? Um, and then you talk about why and all the rest of it. So, and actually, there's another guy who's very, you know, just why would you go to church? You don't have time to do anything else. Why would you do that? Um, and God doesn't exist. It's all figment in your imagination, all the rest of it. Um, he's been asking a lot more about Dave. So, what, is he not getting paid out there? How's that working? Why is he doing that? And... And so that's struck up a real interesting line of conversation. This continuing thing. It's like, oh, how's Dave getting on? And then we can continue talking about it another time. So um, that's been really good. So if you don't feel strong in, in your own faith, it's quite good maybe to s talk about other people, if that's not cheating. Um, so I'm finding that quite helpful at the moment. That's a very good idea. How about you, Pete? Um, yeah, I wander around the, the outside of the home office with sandwich boards on a morning with sort of, you know, <laughs> you will perish if you don't. No, I'd, I'd probably be sectioned if I did that. Um, no, it's tricky. I, I, I don't think it'd be interesting to ask actually my team. There's about 120 of them whether or, whether or not they think I'm a Christian. I think I have no idea what the answer would be. If I was really overt in, in my faith at work, um, it would be difficult to do my job because we, we work with a lot of uh, the Muslim community. We're delivering quite a lot of communications into uh, quite hard to reach Muslim communities. Um, but our response tends to be multi-faith. So a lot of the stuff you've seen on the news, we're usually behind somewhere trying to get, whether it's um, great people like the Archbishop through to uh, even Linz West, who was up here the other week, managed to get in touch with him. He was doing some stuff post-Manchester, uh, and he was, he was brilliant to camera, um, talking about, you know, we've got to pray. And so it's, it's about sort of facilitating some of that in the workplace. Um, but I've always, and picking up on what the other people have said, I think something about making it relevant and resonating at the right time. Um, so, for example, um, in, a, in a boardroom situation at GlaxoSmithKline uh, a few years ago, um, one of these brainstormy meetings come along, break the ice, you know, wh who's, who's the most uh, influential individual in your life? And people turn up with, oh, the Sherpa that carried my bags when I climbed Everest. Or um, people that's such, that, that's basically yeah. just showing off, isn't it? It's and it, and it's, at all, yeah. Well, and it's a bit naff, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then people will say, or oh, Napoleon, or, you know, they came up with kind of everything but Jesus Christ. Peak and um, I, I remember just saying, I'm just amazed no one said Jesus Christ. He's the most influential, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, whether, and clo clo quoting C.S. Lewis, you know, whether you think he's a madman or, or he was the son of God, you can't. Um, it, just, just stuff like that. So when, when it's relevant, when, it's, um, when it means something. But most importantly, and this is a really important point, is, is when there's individuals in the team who are going through stuff, um, I'll offer to pray, or I'll text sometimes, um, and personally just drawing alongside and say, look, I, I, I personally believe uh, that this can make a difference. If you, if you want me to, I will. And, and people usually respond 
as, uh, as Pete always says, you know, nine out of ten times the people say, yes, please, that'd be great. How about, how about you, um, Maureen? You talked a little bit about, about sharing faith already. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, guess I, just, I guess my final question to everybody um, is what one bit of advice would you give to a slightly younger version of yourself? So when you were starting out or when you were you know, doing civic life or whatever it was in South Africa, what would be the one bit of advice that you would give yourself, your younger self? Maybe a wish. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I wished I knew as much about Christ when I was younger as I did now, but that's your journey, isn't it? So I don't know what I would give myself, you know. I found that very hard to answer. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a hard one. I think um, for me it's back to that point I made earlier about leaning not on your understanding. If, if I knew that when I was younger, and really just depending completely on him and not thinking I can orchestrate the way, I think that would have made a big difference. I would say something similar. I'd probably say something like slowing, slowing down and actually relying on the Lord a bit more, particularly for my career, because actually he's moved it actually more than I've needed to. Um, I probably, I mean, I'm not all that old yet, but it's like... Um, <laughs> what do you say to a teenage really? version of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I'd probably say uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes, I guess. Um, be quite a big one. Because um, I'm quite a perfectionist, certainly in my job and things, So, and that's still something I struggle with now, but actually um, it, it's okay to make mistakes and just, just almost... Just, just go for it, knowing you will make mistakes, and because you're just going to mm. learn out of that. And it's a uh, like, like you said, it's like a, a journey anyway. So you're not going to get it all right now. So, yeah. Brilliant. That's so helpful, guys. Thank you so much. That has been really fascinating. I, for one, have learned absolutely loads. Um, let's give them a round of applause. That is it for this week. Um, I'm going to pray and then have a great rest of day. Have a great rest of the week. And we will see you next week uh, when Pete uh, is going to speak to us. Don't forget to sign up for Healing uh, Guildford or uh, sign up for The Gathering or grab a Get Connected card. Um, make sure you get everything you need to get plugged into the life of this church uh, as you leave, if you haven't already. Father, we want to thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for everything that we've learned. So many things to go away and to think about. I want to pray for each one of our panel that you'd bless them this morning. We want to pray for those uh, people who can't be with us today, who are normally with us, that you'd be with them wherever they are. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to reflect you more to a world that desperately needs to know hope. And we know, Lord, that the person who brings the greatest hope is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.